0: and welcome to the second episode of Childhood Evolved. I'm your host, Teacher Alex. So last episode, we talked about some of the most important things to look for in a preschool program, which are play, which are quality of relationships. And I said we're going to dive a little bit deeper into how to actually find these schools on this episode. And then next episode, so three, episode three in this series, we'll talk more about what to do when you're actually in a preschool, how to improve the quality and things like that for your child. So right now, let's talk about how to actually find these strong programs and and get in. So I wish the answers were a little easier and a little less complex in terms of the procedures and what you got to do to get in. And I wish less was left to chance. The truth is, there is a limited supply of high-quality programs. Like we said last episode, only a little bit less than 1 in 10 programs are scoring very high, according to a recent large-scale study. So... Yeah, it's hard to find a program that really is actually good. And it's hard to kind of tell if it's good or not, you know, without being in it for a long period of time. It's a little bit challenging. And to add to all that, once you've kind of nailed down the program you want to get into, there's can be long waiting lists, at least here in in LA, Los Angeles, there's lengthy waiting lists and there's a shortage of supply for the highest quality early childhood programs. So it's challenging but it's not insurmountable. If you put the time and effort in, kind of do your research and your legwork, you'll find the school, you'll make it work, and it'll be a great fit for your child and for your family. So how do we actually identify these strong programs? So I think we need to separate out the things that aren't as helpful from the things that are helpful. Um, There's accreditation programs out there, the National Association for the Education of Young Children, NAEYC, some people call it NACE. They're a big nationwide uh, accreditation agency and you can look at their website and I'll put a link in the show notes and they'll have a list of programs that meet their standards. And if you have a program that's accredited by them, you'll know that there's basic things like staff to child ratio, health and safety curriculum, things that'll basically be covered. So that's a private company. They also do a lot of lobbying down in Congress and things like that, but they're a nonprofit uh, private company. There's also these things that have been starting recently in America called quality rating improvement systems, and a lot of states, maybe even all the states by this point, have worked together to develop these systems to rate their preschool programs, and sometimes they use STARS. It'll be like, let's say, a five-star program, four-star program, things like that, and they'll be even more basic than the NAEYC. They'll just be health and safety ratio of staff to adults and things like that. And it's not as hard, I would say, in my experience and what I've looked into with it, it's not as hard to score high on those. So they can be helpful. They can be even a good place to start. But they're far from everything you need to know about a program. I've seen programs with high accolades and accreditations, and there's still a lot to be desired. And there's great programs out there that just don't put the time in to go through the NAEYC process. It's a long process with a lot of work, and it's expensive, too. And a lot of programs, especially if they're already well-known and they have a wait list, they're not going to bother with that kind of accreditation. So it's a good place to start off and see which schools are on that list, but I wouldn't wouldn't stop there. Another thing you can look into is which state agency licenses the program that you're going to be potentially attending. And here in California, we have what's called CCLD, Community Care Licensing Division, and there's laws and regulations, a lot of hoops that programs have to jump through to get licensed, and once they are, they will be visited on a kind of a regular basis. It's it's not that often, but these licensing folks from the government will drop in and check your school out from time to time and see if everything is up to snuff. And they will also drop in if anyone complains, and they'll investigate and kind of see if that complaint is substantiated or not, And you can find the results of all this stuff online, at least here in California. I'll throw the link up in the show notes for you to access that. And that can be a really eye-opening thing as well, just to kind of look at, have they been cited for something? And you can get cited for really, I mean, really, really minor things. There was a school once that had a citation, or not a citation, but just the person that came out was really preoccupied with a, a button that was glued down, like a literal button from someone's shirt that was glued so glued so strong that it wasn't able to be removed i don't know why it was a concern so take that with a grain of salt too but you can look into what kind of maybe major citations hopefully not Uh, but it's similar to restaurants you know they have the a or b hopefully not a c in the window and it kind of lets you know what the quality is the licensing website's not going to show you that you're just going to have to kind of figure it out for yourself and there's not going to be anything positive in there the only thing you'll find is negative stuff or nothing. And I think the idea with the QRIS, the quality rating improvement systems I just talked about, is kind of to get something going that is similar to those ABC restaurant things, uh, tags that we have here in California, and I think other states have them as well. It hasn't quite got there yet, but I do believe that's one of their ideas with it. But just to back up a little bit here, I think the biggest thing you can do to give yourself a chance of success is to find as many schools as possible, preschool, care whatever you're looking for find as many as possible and schedule as many tours figure out when they're touring or maybe they some schools will offer one-on-one tours if you call in especially if it's the middle of the school year and they're just trying to fill one or two spots that they have Uh, other than that schools generally tend to have scheduled tours where they have five ten fifteen parents coming through hearing a speech about the school and a presentation, whatever the case may be, and then walking through the school to see it in action. So if you can see yourself even possibly attending a school, if it's reasonably close to your home or where you work, I would encourage you to give it a shot. It never hurts to go on a tour. It leaves you the door open. You may fall in love with that school. It's not like you're committed or anything just because you went on the tour. And... Even by going on tours, you're going to learn a lot about that school and just learn a lot about the process of applying to a preschool. And you may learn a lot about preschool in general and what goes on. And you may develop questions you didn't even know you had before you started going on these tours. So I would go on as many tours as you can fit into your schedule. And I encourage you to stretch a little bit depending on what it is that you value. I've seen families just stretch a little bit financially because they just really wanted their child in a school that they perceived as high quality, and I've seen families take slots that are maybe not full day or not not five days a week, and they kind of supplement with a nanny or childcare, whatever the case may be. Certainly, that's not an option for everyone. It can be expensive, or maybe not. Maybe you have flexibility in your job, or you have family that can help out and kind of cobble these different things together and make it work. So it all depends on the values and needs of your family. And my advice is to think as outside of the box as you can and to consider things that seem a little bit unworkable. So what you're really looking for here is the chance to get your foot in the door and see the program in action. Definitely want to pay attention to what they're saying on the tour and the presentation. But you also want to pay, I would say, even more attention to what you see. What do you hear going on in the background? How do the children seem? Are they happy? Are they playing? Are they asking questions? Um, And it's true for me as a teacher that when people come through on a tour, of course, I want to show my highest self, my best teaching self and, and showcase the best parts of that for those parents that are coming through. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to do that, right? That's human nature. But for other teachers, especially if they're new, they may get nervous in front of so many people passing through and they kind of might not be their natural self. So... You have to have your little bit of a grain of salt with all of that too. So I would say one of the best things you can do is to talk to other parents who are currently attending that school or who formerly attended that school in the recent past, and hear what they have to say. I mean, if they say it's a great program, that's okay. That's helpful to some degree. But what you really want to know, because everyone has a different idea about what that means, and actually everyone has a different level of skill and even knowing what to look for in a good program? What makes a program strong or good? So I would say ask specific questions. Was their child helped when they encountered a problem or had a challenging behavior? How do the staff respond when they have questions or when they have feedback? Do they receive regular communication from the teachers about their child's day and progress through their curriculum? So I think the more specific you can be with your questions on the tour, to the people that work there, but especially to other parents you talk to. Specific questions that will help you dig beneath the surface and have a picture painted of what day-to-day life is like at this school for the child and also for the family. How do the the parents feel as part of the community of this school? Is there a community in this school? Does the school see the parents and value them as an equal partner in caring for and educating this child, or are they kind of not considered quite so much you know some schools have parent nights parent appreciation nights party type community events like a fall festival and also parent education nights where they'll present a topic or have a question and answer or a book club type of thing I've done a book club I've done book clubs around anxiety and gender or whatever the case may be if the parents are interested we'll pick out a book we'll get together and do a book club about it and The cool thing about that is it's not just any old book club because I'm teaching their kids every day. So they can ask specific questions of me and I can answer based on what I've seen in their child. And beyond just me as a teacher, the parents can kind of go back and forth with each other, giving advice and discussing how they've handled similar things. Because as much as I've seen, I have my role in the classroom and what I've seen in the classroom, it gets more rich when we can add these other voices from parents who have their own experiences to offer. Another great tool in your search for a program is Google Maps or Yelp or whatever you use to find anything else business related in your life. When you click on these things, you can read reviews. You can see how many ratings they have, how many stars they have, and how many ratings. If someone has five stars and two or three ratings, that's not as valuable. And maybe those ratings are people who work for the school or who helped found the school or whatever. Maybe the school has eight or 10 reviews and they're really positive that's good what i've tend to what i've tend to see on these reviews are that people are either really really happy or really really unhappy and both of those will kind of prompt people to go out of their way to go write a review online because it it's not that it's a lot of work but it is an extra step that you have to take out of your day to go review a school so if you're just kind of average or happy whatever you're not necessarily going to go in. And you might even go in and give it a rating, but you're not necessarily going to type a whole bunch of words in. So I've seen people when they're really happy or really unhappy or when the school's kind of asking people to go in and do it, and they can even kind of incentivize that sometimes. I've seen that. But one thing I've noticed is the longer reviews are kind of the most helpful. The more people have to say, the more specific they can be and the more details they can provide. Again, it helps you kind of paint a picture of what's going on there. Now, you can only trust so much from an online review, but it it's just another piece of the puzzle. I think what you're trying to do with all of this stuff, with looking at reviews, with looking at the accreditation and the state licensing website, talking to parents, going on the tour, each little thing that you do is like a piece of the puzzle. And the more pieces you can gather, the better, because you're going to have a better picture of what that school is like, and you're going to be more enabled to make a decision about whether or not you want to be part of it. So the more pieces you can gather, the better. And the more schools that you can look at and tour, the more options you're gonna have to choose from. So the more time you invest in this process, the better position you're gonna be in to make a decision that's gonna benefit your child the most. So when you're actually on a tour, most of the time schools are gonna have question and answer at the end of the tour, or maybe during it. And there's a lot of things you can ask to help clarify what things are really like at that school. Every tour pretty much that I've been a part of, someone's going to ask about staff turnover. And the field of early childhood education as a whole has an 80% turnover per year rate, which is really, really, really high. And that happens that includes people going from one school to another, entering the field, exiting the field. Still, in general, it's good to know that in an average year, four out of five people in the field are going to change jobs, change positions between schools. So you definitely want to ask about that, and you're not necessarily going to get a straightforward answer, especially if they do have high turnover, but just seeing how they handle it and maybe digging even a little deeper, depending on how they answer it, can help paint a picture because there are schools that have very low turnover, and if if staff are staying at a school long term, there's going to be a reason for it because we know in this field, teachers, preschool teachers and early childhood care providers are not making the most money in the world. That's never really going to be the case. So if they're staying at a school, it's because they feel respected and valued and seen, their voice is heard. And these are things that I found all translate down to how they're going to treat you, the family. If they're respecting and valuing the voice of their staff, making them feel welcome and like they're at home, it's likely they're going to also treat you that way. It's likely that everyone there is going to also treat the children that way. So it's kind of an overall culture or at least I think it can be like an overall culture and it can be a really good kind of thermometer of what's going on in these programs, depending on what their turnover is. Not necessarily people get pregnant, have babies, move, things like that too. So again, it's one more piece of the puzzle that you can kind of try to flesh out for yourself by asking questions in the tour or talking with other parents and other families. And you might be able to get more details and more clarity by talking to other people you know that have been a part of the school. Especially if it's stuff that happened a little bit longer ago than the present moment, so that's a good question to ask. You want to know how do they handle what they might call discipline or behavior guidance, and if they don't bring that up on their own in the tour, even if they do, you can ask questions about that. For example, like timeout is something that nobody really does anymore, and maybe they have a timeout chair or something out of left field like that. Who knows? if so you you're, you're going to want to know about that on the Torah ahead of time and this is this is the place to ask and and find out and we can get into a lot more detail about behavior, what I like to call behavior guidance not that the word discipline is necessarily bad the root of it is disciple which is student so it's a student teacher kind of thing but i do feel like in our culture the word discipline has some negative connotations and there's there's a tension there can be a tension between teaching and teaching children how to behave the way you want them to and just sort of needing to control them needing to get through the day and getting the job done and being more controlling or punitive so a lot of times it's easier to say clean up that toy or you can't come back to this inbox later and you have 30 other children behind you waiting for you so you just do that and it's not really teaching as much it's just getting you through the day to actually slow down and do the teaching part and explain why this toy needs to be picked up from the sand and put away it's going to get lost it's going to get damaged we're not going to be able to find it later or the environment doesn't look clean and inviting whatever the case may be if you slow down and you're teaching it's a much higher quality process for the student for the child and if you if you slow down and you're doing these teaching moments more and more often then as the months tick on through a school year you're gonna you're not going to need to do as much on that controlling, disciplining, punitive kind of side of things because the children will kind of run themselves and run the school themselves. I mean, not, not totally hands-off, but it's it's a marked difference between when the children know it's expected of them and they're, they're feeling okay. When they feel okay, they'll behave okay. When they've been taught, and they've been supported versus a school where they're kind of just putting out fires and getting through the day. So that's a lot to kind of determine on a tour what's happening. But again, you can ask questions from other families you know and ask questions on the tour. Look at what you're seeing, you know, especially when you're on the tour, they're taking you through one classroom, kind of peek at the other classroom, kind of peek where they're not necessarily highlighting for you and see what you can glean from that. Um, You're gonna wanna know about the curriculum. Is there an allowance for free play? Are there things like worksheets and stuff like that going on? And we'll talk about stuff like that in later episodes but for now you kind of go with your gut on what you're looking for nap time is a big one that might you might not think about it so much on the tour but this comes up with families a lot especially when their children get older when they're in the later fours or five years old and they're not sleeping as much anymore what does the school do with those children some schools are really smart about it and they'll hand out a book or a journal or take those kids outside some schools get caught off guard and they don't know what to do because 25 children are sleeping, but three are awake, and they don't really know how to support those children's needs, and next thing you know, the children are running around the room or or whatever the case may be. Um, That's not a typical question necessarily on a tour either, so it's always good to ask a question, I feel, that'll catch people a little bit off guard because you might get more of a real answer that way than something that they kind of see coming. Uh, You could ask them, how do you handle hitting or biting? Those are questions they're going to be a little more prepared for still good ones to bring up, you can ask about the education level of the staff. And education is great. I mean, if we're teaching, we should be educated, right? But I have to throw in a big caveat there, and I've worked with teachers who are at the master's degree level. You know, I have my master's degree, and it's great. I loved it, and I loved the information. But I've worked with teachers with master's, and I've worked with teachers with no, really no formal education, associate's degree or lower. And some of the best teachers that I've known are Relatively low formal education. But you know what? They care about the job. They care about the kids. They're reading a book on the side. They're going to classes. They're going to workshops. They're getting out what they put into it, which can be a lot. And even at the master's level, it's maybe surprising, but you can go through college, up, up through the master's program, and not put a whole lot in and, and maybe not get a whole lot out necessarily. So it, the same goes for saying, How long has someone been in the field? I've worked with people that have done it for 30 years and they're pretty average or not where I'd hope to be having grown for 30 years. And I've had students come in and they're they're making amazing observations or having, I had one student that just stepped into a conflict and kind of saved a kid from getting hit with a shovel by the other kid because he happened to be there in the right place at the right time. So my point with all of that is It's good to know what someone's education level is and how long they've been doing this, but that's not going to necessarily paint the entire picture and give you everything you need to know. So those are some of my biggest tips, and hopefully they're going to be helpful to you as you begin your process of looking for preschool or daycare. Another thing is kind of being aware of how much time you have. Here on the west side of Los Angeles, a lot of the well-known high-quality schools, if you want to get your child in when they're three, you pretty much have to be Not have to be, but it it helps to be on the tour, like when you're pregnant. There's long wait lists, and there's a lot that goes into it. I think it's most likely not the case in other areas of the country, but I would think big cities, places like Manhattan, New York, are similar. San Francisco. Another thing to know is that schools are looking for very specific things, and you won't necessarily know what these things are, they may be looking to balance the genders. I've had classrooms where it's like this year there's 17 boys and three girls for no apparent reason. So the school is trying to find more girls just to balance that out. Um, and whether or not there's a little gonna do that is a whole other question with gender that we want to get into today. But it happens. Or ages. Maybe they have a very young group, very old group, and they're trying to balance that out. They may be a startup school that's really looking for families that are going to have time or money to donate. Or maybe they've been around a while and that's not as important to them. Maybe they're seeing or perceiving high-income families are going to be high-maintenance. They're trying to stay away from that. Um, They're not necessarily things you can do much about. You might not know. You probably won't know what they are looking for in terms of that. Sometimes they may share, especially if it's halfway through the year and they're looking for a girl who's three to fill a spot. They may share that right up front with you. But in general, you're not going to necessarily be privy to all of that. But my point in saying this at all is that what you really need to do is open as many doors as you can, tour as many schools as you can, and apply to as many as you can. One of the things I've done a lot in my role as preschool teacher is advise people on the next steps, K through eight, K through 12 education. And when it comes to private school, I've had families that are really well-qualified. Families apply to five schools and get into one. And I've had families applied only one and get in And so it's really hit or miss, and the advice I always give is just apply to as many as you can, and that way you have as many doors open as possible, and then you can pick from whatever you get into, whatever you can afford, whatever, because financial aid is another huge part of all of this. So open as many doors as you can, and then you can pick from that. And how do you increase your chances of getting into these schools? I would say pay attention on the tour, kind of find ways to show it, whether it's in your application, depending on how detailed it is and what they're asking, to kind of show that, oh, you were paying attention on the tour and you think it's a good fit. And you don't really want to sell this too much if it's not true because you're looking for a school that's a good fit, right? You don't want to kind of paint a picture of it being a better fit than it is. Or, I mean, maybe there's areas where you can kind of give or take a little bit on this. They're not as important to you. But just be careful with that because after all, at the end of the day, you want a school that is going to be a great fit and really support you, right? So that's all for today. Thanks for sticking with me and keep on the lookout for my next episode, which is going to be a lot more about how to approach things when you're already in a preschool and you want to ensure that your child's having a quality experience. Maybe you have some concerns and you want to raise the level of quality or form new pairs, uh, plans rather. Maybe you're not sure if the school's a good fit and if you should be thinking about bailing out. Maybe you're totally happy, but there's always little things you can do to improve your experience. So we're going to dive deeper into that stuff next episode. And that's all for today. Thanks.